Today, we got the gentleman of violence, Mr. Tom Schultz. One of the baddest men on the planet right now, and the perfect guy to go against Brad Pitt in Snatch 2. All of them. Yeah, the Highway Patrol okay. and then some of the Elgin PD, um, when I was here last time, I think we started in 2017, 2018. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and that just came out of being invited to the wrestling room with Cody. Uh, so it was Cody, Derek, there's a couple other coaches that aren't here anymore, but uh, Jory. Nick they were, they, yep, all those guys. Uh, because, yeah, just they wanted to invite me over. I was wrestling with them. I had never wrestled before. So coming to Oklahoma, that was a good experience to get that in my grappling. Yeah. You know? Uh, that's that's pretty cool that you never wrestled before, and then you you wrestle your daughter to state championship. So very exciting. A lot of the a lot of the um, the army combative system. So there's I think like maybe a handful of takedowns, and so that's all we would drill. Mm-hmm. It's just you know what I learned from that. The basic stuff. And I would the, the fundamentals, and then I would do the same thing when I got into doing jujitsu. I was like, well, uh, how do you say? Because I came into grappling late in life, mm-hmm. uh, but it always been there since like 2001, doing combatives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, took that stuff. And then uh, looked at the system itself, tried to, got into jiu-jitsu, you know, really liked jiu-jitsu, came to Oklahoma. I make the joke that, yeah, you could swing a gi and you're going to hit 20 wrestlers. So uh, I didn't learn how to wrestle. Wrestling happened to me. I got right? it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, showed up with these guys. They were throwing me around. I had to learn quick, kind of, you know, do what I do. And then the officers started showing up. And we started discussing, like, well, how do we take this, what we're doing, and apply it more for these guys because at the end at the end of the day they were really the customer not Mm -hmm. you know we were just in there banging heads Mm -hmm. right and then kind of trading techniques uh and then with these guys they were coming in there for a purpose yeah so what i did is just kind of took lead you know asked uh, him and cody said hey i'd like to do this teach you know twice a week and it just turned into that and it was a arm trap and roll like all your fundamental stuff that you Mm -hmm. learn uh like the fundamental break the guard pass the guard and not really anything as far as like, you know, we weren't doing like De La Hiva because everything was no game. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did that for two years, kind of slowed down because of COVID. Yeah. And then uh, and then I left. Came back in July of this year, and I think about a month and a half ago, we started picking it back up. Nice. Get back into that. That's one thing I wanted to add, too, is like, since he's back now, they started the... They got the the hypos back in, so I know you wanted to help out with it last mm-hmm. time, but we couldn't just, we couldn't get it set up. But he's back now; he got it rolling. So whenever we get to yeah, settle in, tell I'll tell you the same thing that I said last time: is we do this all, as well on Sunday, Sunday nights right. at my gym. Jujitsu, yeah, yeah. I heard you yeah. say that. That was that was. Yeah. I don't I don't know if you coined that phrase or if that's a, no, but, no, that, that's just something but, that we use. Yeah, yeah, but I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. But yeah, so we do that Sundays. Um, Six o'clock, six, six to seven thirty, roughly. Um, so, if you guys ever want to come out for that, you're more than welcome to. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, last time there's a couple things I need to correct. I said he was a brown belt. He was actually purple, right? So purple, I messed that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, okay. the saying I said uh, about tough Heaterman, he said, uh, "If you're going to be dumb, you better be tough." That never was said. It's just based off the song. You know, I thought the song got it from him. Yeah. I got so many I got so many people that's bull riders that hit me up. He's like, I don't he didn't say that. But dude, I spent like days, weeks trying to find somewhere on the internet that he said that just so I could be right. Yeah. And that ne- it, he nah. didn't say it, man. And I just don't I don't know how I messed you, that up. You matched him and John Wayne. Yeah. That's what you did. Yeah, yeah it was a bad put, deal. Put two icons together. Oh, it's a bad deal. Uh, hey man, so also, man, right now, things are really picking up for you with the title fight and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, one thing that 
with this is I, I kind of feel like I had some inside information because nobody really knew like, you know, what was going on. And I, I didn't, I mean, I was just talking to you about it, but we was talking about negotiations a little bit in, in July, right? So, you know, how did that initiate, number one, and what took so long? Um, you, they reached out, I want to say it was July, and they said, uh, they said, we want you to fight Luis Palomino October 30, late October in Peru. And I said, yeah, great, I'm in. No problem. That gives me, it gave me like a 15 week training camp, plenty of time. Said, great. They called me like three days later and they said, we're going to change the date. And they cut my training camp in half to like September something. Hmm. I said, fine, cool, let's go. And then they called again and said that there was negotiation issues. And then they called again and said that they were going to change the opponent. Then they called again, said that they were going to make it an interim title. Then they called again. And it was just constant. Every couple of weeks, there was going to be a new something. Right. And then finally, we got to where we could all agree on it. And then uh, it came down to finances. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the long and the short of it. Um, They came to me with one number. I came back with another number. And we went back and forth. And neither one of us were willing to say okay uh so that's really what what stretched it out and made it this four-month process that it was but uh what what started with um opponent and location turned into financial obligations on both of our ends and we couldn't come to terms right was that like what's afterwards after the fight for example, if you win, was, was there more money offered if you would sign? No, the no, no. We weren't looking at any sort of contract extensions or anything okay. like that. And the, the the contract that I'm in right now, I have options, um, and I don't I don't know exactly how far into detail I can get about my contract. That's why I'm kind of being vague. Yeah, I guess so. um, but I have options in my contract, and um, and and I'm allowed to negotiate those options, and uh, that's what I was doing. Um, it, it's, it's already the contract that I have and it, with, with the title fight now being signed, it doesn't extend my contract in any means. I'm still in the, the standard contract that I had signed previously. I'm just right. now have this additional clause stamped on top of it, which is come December 3rd, I'll be, you know, the 155 pound champion. Speaking of that. Palomino, right? Mm-hmm. He went up and also won. Are they going to try to offer you another match with him at, 170 or uh he went to 165 165 and um i don't think that that would be a thing and the reason i say that is because they already have issues with weight classes being clogged up because of multiple champions or i should say because of one champion having multiple titles palomino's holding two titles right now which means that he's clogging two divisions he's not allowing two divisions to 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 get any bigger than him uh lorenzo hunt's doing the same thing i think he's like 185 and 205 something like that um so he's he's also clogging up two divisions, you know, and when you do that, it, it creates a lot of tension in the division, but it also, right. it just, it makes things get stale and stagnant. So I can't imagine that they would have me fight him and beat him at 155 pounds and then have me do it again at 165 pounds just to recreate the same problem. Yeah, you I know, understand. I think that they would, uh, they would have him move up to 165 um and probably stay there and i don't mean that as like an insult i just mean that is he's 42 Mm -hmm. and you know he moved up to 165 for a reason yeah how long he wants to continue to cut down to 155 i don't know 
Um, but I would assume that after December 3rd, he'll probably stay at 165. What do you think of that fight? Which one? With him and Brita. You know, I thought he lost that fight. I thought he won that fight because he was in South Florida and that's his hometown, you know, like his home area. He knows these people uh, that 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 area stands to generate a lot of revenue every time he fights. It's one of the reasons why we're fighting there. Right. You know, um, you know, it's it, if you take Luis Palomino to a decision or if you allow the, the fight to go to a decision in Florida, you're going to lose that decision. It happened to Elvin Brito. It happened to Dat Nguyen. You know, in, I watched the Dat Nguyen fight last night, and looking back on it for, for, with, with fresh eyes, I don't think he did enough to win it. You know, I think that was a legitimate loss. But that being said, the fight with Brito, I thought Brito won that fight. I thought Luis Palomino came up to 165 pounds, and when you come up and you fight the champion, just because you are a champion doesn't mean that you are that champion. He came up to 165. Right. Yeah, so it's like you got to come and you got to take that belt. And yes, he walked forward pretty much the whole fight, but he also ran into punches while walking forward. Yep. You know, Brito, if you know anything about how Elvin Brito fights, you yep. know that Brito did everything that he wanted to do in that fight and that there was nothing Luis Palomino could do to stop it. And uh, I think it was a, a, a travesty on the, the judge's part, you know, to, to, to look at that fight with uneducated eyes, giving the gravity of, of how big and important that fight was and, uh, and give it to somebody who just, I felt like had hometown advantage. Right. It's disappointing. So I've watched that, that fight a bunch of times leading up to this. And I've watched the first fight as well with them too. BKFC, their app that they got, you can get the subscription. You can watch all the free videos you want. That so I love it, by the way. But uh, their first fight, I thought he won that fight. Uh, Paul, Paul, I mean, I thought he won that fight. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought uh, Brito was. I thought he was gassed. But one thing about him, his style, he's flashy. You know, he he's kind of he's cocky, flashy. Mm-hmm. And so going into the second fight, I didn't anticipate he would fight like that. But that's just his style. He still did it. So from a fan point of view. Sometimes I get caught up in that. Like he, he looks like he's winning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's acting like he's winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more I watched it, I was like, Man, I just feel like he actually won the fight. You know, moving into that. But yeah, you, and that's the thing is you have to understand how Elvin fights, and when he's moving and he's 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 herking and he's jerking and he's backstepping and then coming back in and he's throwing these weird combinations that if he were to throw it without anybody standing there you'd be like that was the silliest thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> yeah. but when you when there's a body in front of him he lands and half the time people don't even realize he's landing but there were series there were combination series in that in that fight that that were exactly what elvin wanted to do and like i said Luis had no response for it. he had no answer for it i was blown i that was one of the few times i've ever gone on on facebook and just been like what the fuck <laughs> like, i was i was not happy when they said that elvin lost that fight but you know what i have differences in opinion i knew another interesting thing and, and uh you explained this to me last time like some people just look bigger than what they are but like paul yeah, he looks bigger than, than, I think he's juicing. Guy's forty two years old, yeah. wakes up with a fucking six pack. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I hate to sound any type of, of way, but yeah, bro, I think you're juicing. 
you know, like, I'm sorry, you're five foot seven. I've seen your parents. You're not a genetic phenom, you know, like, you know, like you're, I'm, no, you're juicing, bro. I'm sorry. Like you got that much acne and you're 42 years old. Come on, dude. Like knock that shit off. Yeah. But that, again, that's my personal opinion. I've got zero facts to back up this opinion. It's just an opinion. The eyeball test. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. And one thing we touched on last time is, uh, you know, training camps. And Robert, he, he had a question about, you know, when you're taking the fight, what is it you look at in that fight? Or what's the first thing you look at when you anticipate taking the fight, number one? And is there anything different you did for this training camp? Because in the past, you know, you're going to be the bigger dude here, I feel like. You're going to be the, the longer guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that going to play a, uh, a role into your training camp? And did you do anything mm-hmm. different for this training camp versus your opponent since he is smaller than you? 100%. Um, I would say that as far as technically going, training camp just started. Today's Sunday, the 23rd. Um, yesterday was my first session with, with my coach. Um, and it was six weeks to the day of the fight. So technically, training camp has just started. Okay. That being said, um, I have not stopped working out since July. I have not stopped training since July because we were going through all of these negotiations and uh, and back and forth and so on and so forth. So, and I got, you know, four or five different dates in the last three months, you know, so I've just been constantly at it, constantly training, constantly working my butt off. Um, so that's probably the biggest difference going into this fight or into this camp is I'm in the best shape I've ever been in that mountain right there. I run that twice a week now. Like it's nothing. Just, my man. My <laughs> man. just, just my man. up and down. Yeah, Boom. Yeah. My buddy, uh, Brandon Johnson came down, uh, to finish his training camp before he went to fight in England last week. And, uh, we spent three weeks just doing nothing but hardcore conditioning just to get him in the best shape of his life. And, that has now just become my weekly run. Now I just go over there twice a week and I run that mountain and, you know, that's my cardio for, for the day. Um, but it's things like that, you know, I'm, I'm starting off my training camp in the best shape that I've ever been in. Um, and on top of that, like you said, I do have a lot of physical advantages going into this fight. I am much taller than he is. I do have a lot longer reach than he does. I feel like my boxing is much more technical than his, um, you know, uh, I, I, I think that my my aggression and uh, and I will I will won't even say aggression I'll say that my 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 tact my tactical approach to ripping that man's face off yeah. is something he's never seen before. There are things that I've done in the BKFC that nobody's ever done before. There's 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 punches landed and there's damage done that, that I don't think he's ever experienced. He's never fought anybody like me with my size, my reach, my height, the way that I hit, the consistency of my punches, how accurate I am, how fluid my flow. Like, like I have so many things that I'm bringing to the table for him that December 3rd should be a pretty easy night. Right. It should be. should be. <laughs> not saying it will be. Yeah, saying yeah. it should be. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on that right there, right? Your mindset as mm-hmm. far as uh, of, of self-belief and understanding and knowing what you can do. 
Is that something that you've built up over time? Or do you think that's kind of, and I think you said this term, that dog in the, that dog in the person, that dog in the fight that you just came with that. Um, um, I've always, I've always had that, you know, even from like a young kid, I've always just been, you know, uh, an aggressive in your face type of human being. Um, but since I've been a fighter and since I've been a professional fighter and really trying to hone in this skill set, it's become more directed and more um, focused. And now that I'm doing this sport and now that I'm in the position that I am, that I'm in um, where, you know, I have the opportunity to fight the pound for pound number one bare knuckle fighter in the world for his belt, I am laser beamed focused yeah. and intense. That's you awesome. know, and that that's what it is for me right now is I I am fully aware of all of my advantages and I am fully aware that if I utilize them to the best of my abilities, I will win this fight. There's there's no if, ands, or buts about it. I will win this fight. I nice. will be the champion. You know, I made a promise to uh to, to three young boys a couple of years ago. And I told them that, you know, that it was going to happen. It was going to be a thing and it's going to be a thing. It's, 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 it's already been written. Yeah. I just got to go do it. Man, that's nice. You can feel the energy off of me. Like, just say that. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. No, that's good. Uh, one of the things about that, and you had talked about it, uh, you stayed in shape the whole time. You didn't, uh, kind of veer off, maybe rest on your laurels a little bit, uh, Based on past successes or not? No, I, I know I know what I'm getting myself into. You know, um, I made a post the other day uh, on Facebook, and it said uh, somebody once told me that you attract what you fear most in this world, and I said now I understand that, uh, and that's like a like a heavy lies the crown type of right. type of thing. You know, right. I am fully aware of what I'm getting myself into. I'm fully conscious of the scenario that pl- is about to play out in front of me. And I embrace it. It's what I'm here for. It's what it's what we train for. It's you know, you were to say it earlier that you know your daughter's a state champion for 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 wrestling. You trained her for that. You prepared her for that. Like that's what you're here for. This is what I do. This is what I've been preparing for. I made promises that I intend to keep. That's it. That's legit. That's Kind of to transition, mm-hmm. uh, I was talking to Derek. You also coach. So as you are coached and, you, you know, you, you have people that invest time in you to get you prepared to, you know, for, for battle, mm-hmm. for your matches. Mm-hmm. What do you look for in a student or a fighter that you might take on? Um, you know, what, what are, I guess, some of the metrics that you look at? You can't measure the, you know, their, their d- desire and drive. Maybe you could see some things about their discipline, but you know, just right off the cuff, and uh, you know, what what does coach Coach Tom look for? Consistency. Okay, that's the biggest thing. Like, I I I I can't train you if you're not there. That's the long and short of it. So, like, you can show. I I think we talked about this last time, Eric. You know, I said if it, you if you show up and it takes you six weeks to learn something. But you showed up every day, showed up every day, you worked hard, you trained for it. And that's what I care about. That's what I like. And that's what's going to allow me to give you my time and energy. But if you show up once every six weeks and smash everybody in the room that's and right. leave, it's like, all right, man, it's nice to see you. Peace. You know, yeah. like, great. You're awesome. You came in, you destroyed everybody. You did a great job. Cool. But I can't teach you. 
I can't, I can't give you any information if that's all you do is come in, smash people and take off, you know? So like if you come in and you smash people for six weeks straight, I can teach you how to smash them better. You know, I can teach you how to do things better. But the, for me, the big thing is just consistency. If you show up, I'm going to help you. If you, if you ask for help and you have a genuine interest in, in the sport and what it is that we're doing, I'm going to help you. Um, but if you're not there, I can't, there's nothing I can do for you. Since you've taken on uh, the, the the role of coach, have you seen people come to you because of notoriety, understanding, knowing who you are, mm. and things of that nature? Yeah. Yes and no. Yeah, I mean it's happened, but it's not like a it's not like an overwhelming amount where people are like, hey, you know, I saw you on this place, I saw you do this, you're this guy. Yeah, you're, no, yeah. Like no, like it has happened. Okay. I think I have like maybe two clients that I worked with who have been like, I, I, you know, I, I saw you on this and found out you were in this area. So I reached out to you type of type of thing. But for the most part, people just show up to the gym because they want to train at the gym, you know, and to be completely honest with you, most people don't even know what bare knuckle boxing is. They've got no clue what bare knuckle fighting is. I think that individual, you remember in high school when everybody had their click, and it was like the nerds and the jocks, yeah. and, you know, yeah, like, you know, like you had like yeah. your own little clique and nobody cross blended. It didn't happen. I think it's, it's very much like that in today's day and age. Like you've got like the fighters and the firefighters and the cops and the, the nurses and the, you know, the, the, and none of those, those really mesh and blend together or cross breed with each other. And okay. I think the fighters group is so small that until you're actually interested in like getting in shape which is what a lot of these people do they're just like man i want to get in shape i want to try something they heard about mma and jujitsu mm-hmm. and one of their buddies at work does it so they came in and they tried it and they want it and then they see the pictures on the wall and they hear about it and they're like oh wow this is a thing you know yeah. so they, you know and then it kind of snowballs into something else but to be honest with you most people don't even I walk down the street and I'm just another guy yeah. I, you know the, the i get more recognition for my mustache than, than, than anything else and it's not even because people equate it to fighting it's just that's cool mustache man yeah. and that's it <laughs> people just let it go so it's like alright you know, like I'm just gonna keep keep doing me yeah. so that brings me to another question All I right. wrote down the gentleman of violence mm-hmm. the image of the gentleman of violence mm-hmm. right uh, first thing I would ask is has anybody reached out to you for sponsorships for like mustache trimmers or you know <laughs> no. maybe maybe some pomade or something kind of taking it back yeah. to that era I, yes right? yes so there was this guy um oh, i feel like a turd because i can't remember his name he is a, is a russian fella he has a company he's out of russia um starts with a b anyway um he reached out and he sent me a whole gift box of stuff like a year and a half ago, two years ago. That was pretty cool. But that's that's really yeah, that's really it. You know, I get all, I get I get I get more compliments than gift bags. Exactly. People are people just assume that I've already got it squared away and taken care of. So right. they just they just they just yeah, they just let it go. But uh no, I did I get like I said, I did get that one sponsorship um from 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 that Russian fellow, but that was 
many moons ago. So if there's a company out there, if there's somebody out there that might be interested, they should reach out to you, correct? Yeah, you know, anybody who wants to give me money to, to support their product, depending on what the product is, you know, I'll, I'll support it. I will uh, be the first to tell you, I do have a, a moral standard when it comes to things that I will print across my body or across my clothing. And uh, if your company doesn't meet that moral standard, I won't accept your money. But uh, that's a conversation we can have privately. There you go. There you go. <laughs> probably gonna have no flesh lots on your uh, pants. <laughs> no, nothing like that, man. And they, they got this new sponsorship with uh, the BKFC, and I'm I'm really curious to see how that conversation plays out, if it even plays out. You know, so I don't know. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Going back to training real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. When your training camps, how much control do you have, or how much uh, input do you put in to your training camp with your coach? All of it, one hundred percent. It's one of the beautiful things about working with uh, with my coach uh, Andy Pierce Pops. He's a mature man, and what I mean by that is not that he's older or he's aging or anything like that. He's just a very mature human being, and he understands that the sport that he spent his lifetime working on is boxing, and what I do is not that. So he trains me in what he feels is best, but he also understands that I'm the one who's in there. I'm the one who's had the experience and I'm the one who knows that some things just aren't going to work. Some things like, like that's just not going to like, I don't want to rely on that type of defense. I don't want to cut that type of angle. I don't want to put my head in that type of position, things like that. He understands that. Uh, so I'm allowed to to voice my input and say like not nah, like no you know like we're not doing that like I I will follow his lead to an extent you know but right. there comes a point when I I, I recognize they're like hold on danger Will Robinson right. you know red flag and uh and and he's totally cool with that. he accepts that and, and 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 that's what makes our relationship so good uh I I truly consider that man like a father you know to me and uh he looks at me like a son so we're able to have completely open and honest conversations with each other um about things that that you know when it comes to a coach's training styles can be kind of personal you know so for for us to be able to have that back and forth is important but to get a direct answer to your question i have 100 percent input on my training and he lives in oklahoma city so my training when he I don't work with him is entirely up to me. Right. That's why I'm out running the mountains. That's why I'm out running sprints. That's why I'm doing 30 rounds on the bag every night. You know, that's because it's, it's my responsibility. Okay. I'm the one who has to do this. I got to put in the work. Nobody's going to nobody's waking me up in the morning saying, hey, buddy, come on. It's time to go. We yeah. got to go run. Like, no, get up, dude. You got to go. Like, you want to be great? Go do great things. So, again, it comes down to me. And I take that responsibility on entirely. Is there any uh, training partners you're looking at bringing in for different styles based off your opponent this time? No, we uh, we don't. I I love working with all different types of people. I love getting all different styles and, and different bodies and things like that. Um, unfortunately, the position that I'm in right now is I can't really afford to 
pull somebody in or hire somebody in or hire sparring partners, things like that. So I'm just in a position where I'm just, I'm doing what I've always done. I'm traveling around, I'm hitting different gyms, I'm seeing who's available. You know, I'm going to people that I'm really, that I'm comfortable with as well as brand new people that I've never worked with before. Um, because you have to, you know, I can, you can't always just work with the same people and, right. you know, have somebody play the game plan you want them to play. Sometimes you got to go in and throw yourself in the fire and, you know, hope that you can figure it out and you go from there. Uh, and that's kind of what I've been doing as far as uh, the sparring is, is concerned is I'm getting all different body types. I'm getting right. all different types of looks and I'm training with people that I haven't trained with before. Because the unknown is what I'm going to get myself into, you know, in yeah. come December. You know, I don't, I don't know what he's bringing to the table. I can watch his footage, I can watch his fights, yeah. but he could change his game plan. He can change his style. I mean, if you look at his fight with Dat Nguyen or with uh, Tyler Goodjohn, his movement, his footwork, things like that, compared to his fight with Elvin Brito, it's a different guy. Yeah. You know, he just stood right in front of Elvin Brito and tried to march him down that whole fight. He didn't do that against, you know, some of the other guys, right. you know. So it's like it's just who knows what he's going to be bringing to the table. But who knows which version of Luis Palomino we're going to get. I don't. So I just got to go out and train for all different types of body types and, or not really body types, but style types and, you know, offenses, defenses, things like that. Uh, we talked a little bit last time about, you know, BKFC, how they're bringing like a you know fighters from other organizations in. What do you think about the uh, Mike Perry versus MVP fight? I loved it. Like I like I thought it was a bit of a sham. Full disclosure, when they first announced it, I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Like this is just another one of those let's just make something silly happen type of fights. But the more I thought about it, I felt the same way about MVP as I felt about. Sanchai and Bukau, them signing those two. Everybody made a big deal about how good MVP was and how good Bukau is and how good Sanchai is. But it's like they're only good in their sport, in their realm. If you, so MVP's got his crazy footwork, his crazy kicks, his knees, his elbows, all his his wild tactics, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't use his fucking hands. Like, look yeah. at go back at his fights and like he might like tap you with a jab, but like all of his crazy finishes and knockouts and everything else, they all come from other stuff. So if like you take those tools away from him, like you take his karate background away from him and you force him to only use his hands, right. he's a completely different fighter. Mm. It's the same with Bukau. Bukau's great in the clinch. He's got great kicks, great elbows. But you take all of those tools away from him and force him to punch, he's just another puncher. Right. Same with Sanchai. Sanchez got great movement, great angles, great setups, feints with his legs, all of that stuff. But if you take those tools away from him, he's just another puncher. And that's what that fight proved was Mike Perry is a, the puncher of that was who we fought. Mike Perry, yeah, I, I was about Julian to. Lane. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That, uh, Mike that Perry right is the puncher of punchers, man. You know, so like he he'll, he'll I mean, if you saw the Julian, Julian Lane fight. He'll stand there and let you punch him. He doesn't care. And you put that up against somebody who, like, it doesn't matter how flashy or how, you know, wild your style is. If I take your tools away from you and I force you to do one thing that you're not very comfortable doing, it it can change the dynamic of the fight completely. And I, I really appreciated that 
out of that fight was something that like everybody had this expectation of MVP is going to murder this man. And it didn't happen. It was a good fight, but it didn't happen. You know, right. so did, did you agree with the results on that fight? I don't think it should have gone to the sixth round. I think that's the horseshit thing. Um, personal opinion. You know, I think that if, uh, if it comes down to a draw, it comes down to a draw. Pay us to do it again. You know, like, like, you know, like if it's a draw, it's a draw. Then that means it was a good fight. Judges couldn't figure out what happened. So be it. Let's run it back. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how I feel about it. But don't let me get cool off, get water, relax, let my adrenaline come down. Then have the emotional of what the fuck of, oh, now it's a draw. Oh, now we got to do it again. You know, and like, don't make me do all of that in 45 seconds. You know, like that's that's out of control. No, I think I, I don't like the sixth round. I don't like the sudden death round. I think it's I think it's strictly there for the fans. Um, and I just put five rounds in for the fans. Uh, they, they can pay to watch me put five more rounds in after I get my rest and my recovery. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. Um, but as far as the decision goes, yeah, yeah, I could, I could agree with the draw too. You know, I thought MVP had enough movement in the first three rounds to, to win him those rounds, but he got clipped. He got dropped in the, I'm pretty sure it's the second, you know? So it's like, and then, you know, towards the end there, he came back and, you know, um, Mike Perry, you know, did what he needed to do to, to win those rounds and he he looked great doing it. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it was a draw. I I think that... That's a good decision to to make, but I don't I don't agree with the the sixth round thing. I think that's because what happens if you guys can't figure that out, you know? And then what happens if 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 we all know how corrupt things could be? Yeah. What happens? Like, how long can we play this draw thing out? You yeah. know, we get seven, eight, nine, twelve, fifteen yeah. rounds out of this. Like, no, like there has to be. There has to be a stopping point, you know, somewhere. So no, we did we did our five, sign a sign of a rematch. So you brought up a good point talking about the round system and how mm-hmm. that works. Do you see bare knuckle as uh, well? It's relatively young in the sport sport of combat, which is not because it was probably the original boxing way back yeah. when, right? Yeah. Where do you see it mature? What do you see it maturing into as a, as a fighter and then as a fan of the sport and probably as a fan of combat? You know. I feel the more PC the culture, the more violent the entertainment. For whatever reason, we okay. need we need that balance. You know, it's it's too easy to survive, so we have to create imaginary issues. I see. Um, where I can see this going is we just remove the gloves altogether. Because that's what makes the most sense. I know it sounds silly. It sounds, it sounds all kinds of things. But all gloves do is allow me to continue to hit you. And we'll take it to the MMA realm. Why is it that I can hit you with my elbow or my knee okay. or my foot right. in the face or anywhere else on your body? But when I do it with my hand which is by far the weakest of those things, right. I've got to wear a glove. It's because it's the weakest of those things and we want those things to hold up. So I think from a PC perspective, if you flip the times, 1900s, things weren't very PC. 
you know? So it was like, all right, like you guys want to fight? You guys want to beat the shit out of each other? Cool. Put some gloves on. Let everybody watch. Like, that's what you want to do. That's what we're going to do. Now, we don't allow people to beat the shit out of each other. You see two people fighting in the street, cops are showing up quick. We don't allow that stuff to happen. So it's like, oh, we're going to watch a fight? Mm, You guys just want to throw weapons in there? You know, like, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I mean, and you you can go online and you can watch guys in full armor fighting with shields and swords. And, you know, like, you can watch this stuff. But again, it comes down to how PC the culture is. We don't allow this in our regular lives. So that little. That little bit of sin that we are allowed to dabble in, we want to make it as good as we can make it, wow. you know? So where I see it going is we just remove the gloves. We just say, screw it. We're not doing this. Like, we go back to UFC 1. No gloves, no rounds, no weight classes. We just get it. You know? I can see it coming full circle. I don't know that the powers that be would allow something like that to play out for another 10 years. Okay. It took it took 25 years for the UFC to become mainstream in your face. Yep. Everybody knows what it is. Right. And five of those years is where I should say I should say the last five years is where we've jumped in, you know, and kind of jumped on those coattails and kind of ridden that along. Right. And now there's there's bare knuckle MMA events that do happen wow. there's a couple in florida uh george masvidal jorge masvidal he runs one game bread fc okay um he he's got one where he does bear my my buddy brandon the one that i went to europe with uh he fought for him so they do have the the states that allow bare knuckle boxing bare knuckle fighting do allow bare knuckle mma it's just not mainstream yet it. it's just not in everybody's faces yet so you give it you give it some time you give it a couple years and uh, I would not, I would not be surprised in the slightest if you just saw guys with cloth wristbands, yeah. you know, that said UFC on them, and they just went out there and got it. Wow. Yeah. It, no, yeah. The, so that being said, the rules and the the equipment dictate the sport. Big glove boxing, mm-hmm. bare knuckle boxing, mm-hmm. and now if you go no gloves at all boxing. Mm-hmm. How would that change? It's just as you as a professional understanding, you know, that combat sport or combat sports in general, how would that change your tactics and how you approach things? <laughs> well, I can only speak from the perspective of what I've experienced. And uh, going from having from predominantly training boxing and only really enjoying boxing. Even when I went into my MMA fights, I didn't really shoot for people. I, you know, I didn't really try to play jujitsu that much. Like I wanted to strike, I wanted to stand, and I wanted to punch. Right. Like that's I wanted to hit you in the face. That was my goal. Still is. Um, going from just that inch of padding all the way around your hand, you know, from three inches below your wrist to you know having that offensively and defensively. To now not having that is a dramatic difference in your techniques. It's a dramatic difference in your offense as well as your defense. Um, In MMA fights, I would let you hit me. Boxing matches, I'm not moving my head at all. Like, 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 come on, bro. Like, hit me. Go ahead. Because I just need you to get close to me. You get close enough to me and I'm going to put my hands on you. If I put my hands on you, you're not going to like it. Like, that was always my mentality was I I just got to get you. 
I'm like, I'll let you hit me. That's fine. Come on, come on. But I'm gonna, but once I get you, you you deserve it. Just know that, you know? So um, so for me now, it's like now, now I'm so defensively minded because there's zero protection. I can't just put my hands up because your fist is gonna get through that. If I've got boxing gloves on, yeah, I've got pillows on my hands. You're not getting through. I can cover up. I can block. I'm safe. I'm good. Right. Even MMA gloves with that padding. I'm even if I grab my head, you're not getting through. I'm protected. I've got this padding. You're not gonna hurt my hand doing that. If I just got tape on my hands, I'm not leaving my head here. I'm not just gonna sit here and absorb that. Like you just standing there. If I said, put your hands on your head, and let me hit you. Right. Like, no. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to start moving. Getting and that's, yeah. And that's the point is the second you remove those gloves, the second you take it from a sport to a fight, everything changes. Everything changes. And that was probably the hardest thing for me to get used to. Um, and I tell people all the time, people make their debuts or people call me and they say, Hey, you know, I, I've got this going on, that going on. Do you have any advice? Um, it's whatever expectations you have, throw them out the fucking window, throw them out the window because whatever you think this is, Mm -hmm. it's not that whatever you think you're getting yourself involved in. It's not that you have no idea what this is going to be until you have nothing for protection on your hands. You are surrounded by watchful eyes and you are 18 inches across from the person in front of you. Like you've got no idea what that is until you're just in it. So whatever expectations you had, leading up to that just throw them out the window because to get back to the point once you remove those gloves everything changes everything's different that's that's the the most long-winded way that i could could explain that no that's good that's good as far as uh one thing i always like to to talk about is like mental health you know um since I've talked to you, I've taken on a different job. I'm uh, the middle school detention teacher is what I do. So all the kids are getting in trouble. They come see me. And I try my best to, uh, you know, mentor them, talk to them, give them hard facts, if you will. You know what I mean? Last time I talked to you, you had talked about, you know, trouble you was getting into, being expelled in junior year. If it was possible for you to go back in time and tell that, that junior something, give him some advice or tell him anything advice-wise, what would it be? Mm, one of those... If I knew then what I know now type yeah. situations. You know, that's a real tricky spot to put me in because since I was a junior in high school, all I ever wanted was to be great. You know, all I ever wanted was for, for people to uh, to know who I was. You know, I felt like I was, uh, we did a lot of moving around, did a lot of, you know, school jumping and things like that up until I was in, you know, middle school and uh, middle school and high school. And even then, you know, I had a lot of issues We'll say. So for me, it was just all I ever wanted was to be noticed, you know, and for me to be uh, somebody. And now I'm in a position where a very small demographic of the world will know who I am. And a very small demographic of those people who blew me off in high school, you know, I can rub it in their face and say, I fucking told you, you know, and I, I can I can do that. But an even bigger part of me just thinks like, how sad. <laughs> you know, so um, I think if I think if uh, if I could look back on if I could talk to the 16 year old me, 17 year old me, I'd probably tell him not to put so not to invest so much time and energy on how I think other people think about me. Uh, what's most important is how I think about me. And that's something that has taken 
a long time for me to figure out, but I think I'm getting there, you know? I think that goes back to that whole wanting, you know, you everything that you want, what you fear most is, you know, what you attract in this world. You know, I, I, I feared acceptance, so to speak, and now I've gotten acceptance, but it wasn't what I thought it would be, so to speak. Um, anyway, I might be, I might be moving on beyond, beside, be, past the point here, but if I could talk to this, a younger version of myself, I'd probably, yeah, just tell them not to, not to invest so much time and energy on what other people may or may not think about you. I see, uh, you do work with youth. You did an anti-bullying mm-hmm. uh, class mm-hmm. with youth. You know, a lot of, you know, what you just said was, I think, key to that was, matters what you think of yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of kids that come in there, man, they put themselves on an island, if you will. You know what I mean? It's them against the world, and it's, it, it, you know, certain life stuff happens, you know. Uh, it gets tough sometimes because you want to, you know, shake them like, dude, you got to you gotta stop thinking this way. That's, mm-hmm. that's not how the world, It's not. it doesn't work that way. It's only working that way because you think it does, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think that culturally we are in a, a peculiar environment where, from a young age, we believe that it's us against the world, especially as men, yeah. you know, and not to say that women don't go through hard times because I'm sure they do. But as men, we are told from a young age that it's up to us. We got to figure it out. We got to do it. Nobody's going to, nobody's safe here to save you. Nobody's going to help you. Nobody, you know, it's on you. And, uh, we think that we have to do it alone. We think that we ask for help or weak or it somehow makes us lesser of a men. And, uh, the sad part about it is, is that's the furthest thing from the truth. You know, yeah. it's, it's having that humility and understanding your flaws and your weaknesses and being able to, to work through it and past it. That's what, you know, makes men, men, so to speak. And uh, I think I think we just put a lot of pressure on ourselves and culture puts a lot of pressure on us to be bigger or badder or stronger or whatever th- than we are, you know? And the simple fact is, is people, people are people, you know? And we need, a lot of times we need help. You know, that's, no. there's, a, there's a reason why, you know, a lot of us still go to church. You know, there's a reason why a lot of us still have, the friends and the family, then the people that we, that we call and communicate, you know, that we just, we can't go, you know, a couple of days without talking to you because, you know, they, everybody needs help. You know, and if you can instill that message into a child at a young age, that it's okay to need help, I think it'll make for a much healthier adult. Yeah, the, the, I think the mental, there's certain mental difference between males and females, uh, but I think one thing that females, for the most part, not all of them obviously, but they will tell you their problems. You know, mm-hmm. males, we have a problem with not talking about our problems. You know, mm-hmm. we put ourselves on that island, like you were saying. I, it's a, uh, it gets tough. Even you know, for us, you know, at this age, I mean, we we go through shit too, mental problems yeah, or yeah. whatever. You know, well, men men need support. They need networks. One of the things that I find, as far as like a lot of uh, and you had talked a bit about this earlier, Tom, as far as with uh, you know, different professions not really cross pollinating. I see a lot of similarities in combat culture and military culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the guys that I hang out with that I'm not in the army with um, have, you know, like uh, Derek, uh, Coach Rao, all those guys are wrestlers. They have combatives or something. They gravitate to that. Maybe that's just, you know, speak for self, you know, my personality. But even going into a jiu-jitsu room or going into a boxing gym, there's a, there's a, there's like, like an honor amongst those men because people do think it's violent and uh what i'm getting at 
is do you see yourself as as a as a coach and you know as a part of a, a martial arts school for like or jujitsu combat school whatever that as an avenue for just young people but since we're talking about young men to be able to latch onto that culture and and have that outlet for, yeah. for that energy yeah of course you know i think that i i i'm gonna have i'm always gonna have a biased opinion about the things that that i enjoy doing same here <laughs> but I uh i don't think that there's any better community for young men than a martial arts community and the reason i say that is because like we we're talking about previously in general society and culture it's not okay to be aggressive it's not okay to be violent. It's not okay to be mean or an asshole or, or anything like that. You know, it's a, you have to be as fine tuned and as correct as you possibly can be to, to make it through this world. In the jujitsu gym, in an MMA gym, in a combat sports gym, it's not what we're here for. Like our job is to be ugly. Like I'm going to drool on you. I'm going to spit in your face. Yeah. One of us is going to bleed. Right. I'm going to try to murder you. You're going to try to murder me. And then we're going to hug. And then you're going to go do it with somebody else. You know, and like we, we encourage that behavior. And if you can get that out of you in a constructive and structured environment, it's way better for you. It's, it's for you, for you mentally, physically, emotionally, it's, it's in my opinion, it's the best place to be. I've had some of the worst days of my life. And I've gone to the gym and I've had somebody beat the life out of me and let me beat the life out of them. And suddenly my day is not so bad anymore. And I don't have this anger and this angst where I want to go do terrible things to people out in, in public, you right. know? So I feel that the jujitsu gym and being in an environment where you are, where it's socially acceptable to have those feelings and emotions just as a man you know, or even as a woman, you know, because there are aggressive women out there too, you know, Definitely just want to put hands on people as a woman, you know, to want it to have somewhere where you can go where you can get that out. It's crucial. Everybody wants to feel accepted. And at, at my gym, especially, but at most gyms that I go to, it's, it's always a very familial feeling. Everybody walks in, you hug, you high five. It's a good time, you know, and there's no, there's no judgment there. You know, it's very similar to, to church. You know, like you go to church and you know, people hug and they high five and it's so good to see you and, you know, yada, yada, yada. We, we reminisce, we catch up and you feel better when you leave. You know, it's, that's how I feel about the jujitsu gym. That's how I feel about my gym. And I think that that sort of community is, is, is crucial for, for, for young people in general to have a constructive environment to, uh, to, to let their aggressions out. And then let's say didn't have, have that opportunity as a youth. What about the middle-aged? Mm. Well, that have preconceived notions about violence and things of that nature. I think that you have to come into it with the right mindset, depending on your age. Because let's say you are a thirty-something, not very in shape human being who had a rough past, and you've been picked on and bullied, and so on and so forth. And then you go to this new gym, and you're terrible. And you're not good at being terrible. You're you're not willing to accept that. Okay. Um, that can turn somebody very ugly very quick. Like that can just turn your soul pretty ugly pretty quick if you're not willing to accept the fact that you're not good at something. But you could take that same person and bring them into the mat 
or bring them onto the mats and they accept the fact that they're going to be terrible at this for a couple of months. And they accept the fact that they're going to lose repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. And then they start to get better. And then they start to break those boundaries and break down those walls. And, and then if you have the, 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 you have somebody with that mentality, it's going to be great for them regardless of age. But really what it comes down to when you're coming into something new and you're in your late 20s, 30s, 40s, is you have to be willing to accept the fact that you're going to be terrible at it. If you're not humble enough to 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 be terrible at something, regardless of what it is, okay. regardless of what it is, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long road. You know what I mean? So I think the best way that I can answer that question is it, it's great things. It's a great thing to learn, especially at a later age, that something is far different. And you are far stronger than you ever gave yourself credit for that you can withstand things that you never thought you could withstand. I commend anybody who can do that, but it takes the right type of mentality to be able to do that. And you have to be willing to accept the fact that you're not very good at things or that, you know, you're not in good. Like try to give you a more specific example. I've got people who come in who say they want to get in shape, but they want to get in shape before they get on the mats. It's like, no, that's why you're on the mats is to get in shape. You get, you get on the mats to get in shape and then you can do other stuff while you're on the mats, but you got to be on the mats first. I've heard this quite a bit. You yeah. know, so it's, it's, it's that type of, type of situation. It's like, if you have to, you, you've already accepted the fact that you're not in shape. So don't continue to put the mats off, you know, just get on the mats and just do the work and then you'll be there and then you, you'll, you'll get better. But if you continue to put that off, right. if you don't have the right mentality going into it, you're never going to get better. So bring this long-winded no, conversation you're good. full you're circle good, <laughs> is, you know if, if you've got the right mentality going into it regardless of age martial arts can be a great thing but regardless of of what it is that you're getting into if you go into anything with the wrong mentality right. it's going to be a long road i see <laughs> that's my no that's good I, th- this is enlightening because you know with your experience and your background and things of that nature just you know people to hear it from the source you know telling you you know not nobody starts out as a as a you know pro fighter or yeah. out of the womb and, and that's it's really a journey, it. right yeah that's really it yeah and i'm sure people have heard you know it's not the the destination it's the journey you know it's and that that's what's important and and it's it's true because you know i'm I'm still on the journey. I, I haven't reached a destination. You know, people, you can look at me, you can look at any point in my career and and I could have stopped at that point and said that, okay, like from here to here, like this is how I got there. Right. But I'm still on a journey after that, you know, like my fight journey went elsewhere, you know, but yeah, it's, it's the journey. It's 100% the journey. You have to have the right mentality going through that journey. If you don't, then it's just going to be miserable. So... Next one. <laughs> Outside of violence and fighting mm-hmm. and all those things, what else does Tom like to do? I read a lot. Um, yeah, that's probably uh, between reading and uh, walking my dog. Those are probably the two things that I do the most of. Okay. Um, I spend time with uh, with a girl that I care a lot about uh, and her daughter every now and again. Um but uh, no, the majority of my time, if I'm not at the gym and I'm not at home sleeping from the gym, I'm usually reading. Okay. Um, 
it's just something that uh, I was I wasn't big into when I was younger. I wasn't a big fan of reading right. when I was younger. It wasn't something that that intrigued me. But uh, after getting kicked out of school, you know, and realizing that um, you can be the toughest dude in the world, but if you're dumber than a box of rocks, it's not important. I started to pick up books and you know pay attention to things a little more frequently. And so that's what I do now is I spend a lot of time, you know, hanging out with my dog and yeah. hanging out with, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know what to call her at this point, but she's, she's very important to me yeah. and, uh, uh, her and her daughter. And then, uh, you know, just reading my books, man. That's all I do. What, what's something or what's, what's a book that's really impacted kind of like your perspective on, on things? You know, I've had a lot of books that have affected me differently when you read them at different times. So I read Man's Search for Meeting by Viktor Frankl. That was a book that my brother bought me for uh, for Christmas last year. And that book was stellar. Um, and if you don't know who Viktor Frankl is, he was a uh, he, he was an Auschwitz survivor. Okay. And uh, he was a psychologist before he got put in the concentration camps. And then he continued his psychology work afterward. And uh, it's stories about things that he experienced while he was in the camps people who survived people who didn't survive um and their mentality their mental fortitude through 15 years of prison labor camps and uh what kept them alive what kept them going what kept him going um and that was what that was a book that just hit me right in the chest it was just like oh my goodness for a couple of reasons. One, that humans could do that to other humans. You know, the things that he had gone through and the things that he had survived it was mind blowing for me to, to to think about somebody putting somebody else through that. But on top of that, you know, his ability to survive, to overcome, to find the greater good, the silver lining in each scenario and work through that, that one really affected me. Another one is uh, A Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich by um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And uh, that one is also about a guy. This one is a it's a it's a fiction, but it's basically his what one something that happened to him when he was in prison labor camps in the gulags in Russia. And it's literally just it's only about 120 pages, but it's one day. It's from the time he wakes to the time that prison bell goes off at four o'clock in the morning to the time he lays down to do it all over again the next day. It's just one day. And it is one of the most powerful books that I've ever read. Those two are really intense as far as like uh, the depths of humanity. Right. And I really enjoyed them. I'm reading a series right now. It's called the uh, the Fire Firefall series. It's by a guy named Peter Watts. And this is like a pure sci-fi, futuristic, very interesting and gnarly book series. Uh, but the first book's called Blind Sight. The second book's called Echo Proxia, Proxia, I don't know, E-C-H-O-P-R-A-X-I-A. And it's all about... How do you say that, Derek? (laughs) (laughs) It's all about... uh, You asked me that question. (laughs) It's all about... um, It's just all about consciousness. So it's it's about like a first... It's like a first contact scenario that happens 100 years in the future and um and we have no idea how to interpret this level of intelligence and it's just a 
I think it's the Firefall series. Yeah, but it's it's Blindsight. That's, that's the first one. And then Echoproxia is the second one. And they don't they're not like it's not like a a sequel. It's like a side cool. Like one takes the first one, Blindsight takes place in space. That's like the first mission that gets sent out to meet this new thing. Right. And then the second book takes place back on earth it's the stuff that happens back on earth while they're gone simultaneously they're yes happening. and yeah, yeah. their stories kind of crisscross yeah. each other as they go and it's wild <laughs> but again it's all it's all very scientific very sci-fi very consciousness based thought experiment chinese room stuff it's it's just it's wild that sounds um good. but so yeah and the, so moral of the story is I, I read all kinds of books yeah. I, I read all different kinds of books um i've got a whole plethora of religious texts i think i own uh just about every religious text from every major religion that that we have um I've got a huge selection of psychological texts. I've got a bunch of Freud and a bunch of Carl Jung and a bunch of Jordan Peterson and, you know, uh, just, and then of course I've got things like, you know, Aldous Huxley and, um, I can't, now I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, the one who wrote the Sherlock Holmes books. Uh, but I've, you know, I've got the whole Sherlock Sir Holmes Arthur series. Doyle. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. You know, yeah. So I've got, you know, yeah. So, I read a lot. I read a lot of books. I, I like to read. That's, so a, that's what I spend a lot of time doing. A gentleman of violence and a gentleman of literature. I try to be. Yeah, well, that's where the gentleman part comes in. From, there you, you go. Know? It's, like, it's like, I've got the gentleman. You know, it's yeah. the end and the end. You know, it's like, I'll beat your ass, but we can talk about books too. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. No, it, it works. It works. You, you, and I think a lot of the conversation that I've heard you had with uh, Derek in the, um, in the first podcast, in this conversation here, you t- you, you're talking about just the total human being right you know mental physical spiritual that's that's good to hear it, well thank you um you know there there has to be balance in everybody's life i think that that's really what it comes down to is especially with martial arts especially someone who's grown up in with the martial arts in their background it, it balance balance is key and you know that comes down to having recovery days and off days and things like that like yeah you got to train really hard but you also got to rest and recover too you know you got to eat well you have to sleep well you have to stretch you can't just go a thousand you know miles an hour in one direction you've got to kind of spread it out and be balanced and that approach is what i try to bring to my life and i'm fortunate that I had enough foresight to be able to to understand that not only do I need to be physically capable, but I also need to be mentally capable, emotionally capable, spiritually capable, you know, and I try to, I try to be that person, you know, that's, that's, that's the goal, you know, like we were talking about earlier is not putting so much emphasis on what other people think, you know, more, more so emphasis on what I think. And the only way that I can think highly of myself is to continue to be a better version of myself. I see. And I think that comes down from martial arts, you know. Mm. The better you get, the more you think highly of yourself. You know, yeah, well, I can circle. take yeah, I can take that to any aspect of my life and be able to leave with a smile on my face. 
Have you ever read The Art of War? Uh, yeah. Okay. I so, got a great story about that. Go so with, with that book, uh, you know, the great thing about that book is is he had that, he had the foresight to write all this stuff down, you know, and teach people for generations. You know, at the end of your journey, would you ever consider, you know, writing a book? Um. Yeah. I mean, if I ever had the patience, I thought about that a lot. Full disclosure, because I write a lot, not like the general right but like i i track my workouts i track my diet i track my weight you know I, I i sit down and i take notes about things that i should have done better things that i didn't do enough of things like that like i keep journals and stuff at my house so i don't think it would be the most impossible thing to uh to be able to do something like that and maybe one day you know when i've got the the patience and the free time to sit down and put everything together that could be something that would be plausible but I haven't put more thought into it outside of, yeah, that'd be cool. But to get back to the art of war, I had, I recently had the opportunity to speak at a, uh, a Christian school in North Carolina. They okay. invited, it's a, it was a freshman class. Um, basically it was like a, an introduction to life course um, and the, the value and dynamics of martial arts leading into regular life and so they read the art of war and the book of five rings and then i came in and i did like a speech and talked to them about the books and about um some philosophies from martial arts and things that i use in in my daily life you know moving forward um and that was probably one of the more eye-opening experiences for the potential for what it is that 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 i'm that i'm doing you know that the value and the necessity of somebody who's been through these type of experiences and put themselves on the front lines personally not so much in like a a, a war sense but in like you know a personal battle sense you know and and, and come out the other side uh, people need to hear those stories, you know, especially young, young young boys and girls who are, you know, maybe haven't been encouraged to let that angst out, you know. And, and I think that uh, being able to sit down and and have conversations with with those kids and talk about books that were, or I should say, that have been important for you know five hundred years now is it was it was really cool. So yeah, maybe one day I'll be able to sit down and write a book in 500 years from now. Somebody will talk about that would be interesting. Hey, legends live forever. <laughs> there you go. They do indeed. Hey man, you know we're about an hour and 15 minutes right now. Um, anything you want to plug? I would love to plug the gym. Obviously, Alpha MMA, Ricardo Cavalcante, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That's here in Lawton, Oklahoma. I got some. Uh, actually, I do want to shout out. This new company that I started working with because they are, uh, I want to shout out Leonard Garcia because he just texted me my uh, my Sunday house fire, my sermon basically. I got to do my, my Bible stuff with okay. Mr. Garcia. So he sent me that. So anyway, Leonard, thank you, buddy. Uh, Brad, what is, that's what I'm looking for. Okay, this company is called Operation Reset and they are... To, they are a charitable, a religious, scientific, and educational program um, that works with veterans. And essentially their whole job is to just help veterans get back on their feet after uh, their, their, their time in the service. Um, they're a recent charity that reached out to me and wanted to uh, start working with me. And I'm really excited to, uh, 
to sit down and get the ball rolling with them. But Operation Reset, if you get a chance, check them out. That's really it, you know. That's that's all I got. You know, like same thing as before. Thank you guys for for chatting with me and taking the time out of your day. And everybody who's listening, thank you for uh, listening to me ramble. And December third, Hollywood, Florida. Tom Schof versus Luis Palomino for the hundred and fifty five pound world title. We're gonna have a new champion that night, ladies and gentlemen. December's gonna be a good month. Get to see you win a championship and Avatar comes out. Yeah, Avatar. Uh, Avatar 2. Yeah. It's going to be a good month. You can't be. Yeah, hey, no, it's going to be a great month. Good month of combat you, sports. You, yeah. get to go, you yeah. get to go watch it as a champion, too. Yeah. Yeah, I got to fly home with that big old belt. It's going to be nice. I'm going to feel like feel like a Na'vi with that thing. Yeah.